Hold on to your butts and grab your season one wigs. It's V'ger, please. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm you, but several years in the future, with a lot of nasty city miles on me. Peter. Peter, before we discuss this week's episode, all right, I want to give our uh, V'ger, please audience a little preview into our future. Uh, we are, of course, near the end of season six. We've got this episode and then three more behind before we finish up. Then we will uh, continue with our tradition of having a season six Voyager rest in peace, where we will discuss the highs and the many, 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 many lows of Voyager season six in detail. Season sucks. In detail. And also... Want to let everybody know that when it comes time for us to have our season six rest in peace, that is when Peter and I will finally have the final discussion, hash out brawl over if uh, what the nature of our next show will be. Uh, Viger, please, will come to an end with Voyager, but the the journeys that Peter and I are taking as a podcast duo through Star Trek. Uh, Berman era tricks specifically are certainly not coming to an end. And really we, it's, it's a discussion that we have teased and that we will finally have uh, for everyone to listen to. So, uh, and then also for our patrons, our lovely patrons who uh, subscribe to us there, keep us the, the podcast lights on. We appreciate you. I want to let you know that our review of Battlestar Galactica's continuity film razor uh, is something that we intend to fire off in about a month. So it's mid-May right now. So you can expect to see that uh, in your Patreon feeds sometime in June. So with that little bit of business out of the way, what episode did we watch this week, Peter? Season 6, episode 23, Fury. Peter, do you think it would be appropriate before we discuss the episode for us to catch the class up on how we feel about Kess? Uh, it is mandatory. And we're, we're 150 you know, episodes deep. We probably need to make sure folks are aware of our Kess feelings. Being two middle-aged, uh, overweight white dudes, uh, I want to make it very clear up front that I fucking love Kess. <laughs> I will be the first person to say that, you know, going into Voyager, I fully expected Kess to be the worst part. Uh, I'd never watched Voyager prior to this experience with you. And, uh, you know, I was really expecting this a super annoying Mary Sue that was just unbearable and shitty and bad. I said some very nasty things about Jennifer Lean in retrospect and some of the (laughs) mental illness that she fell into later in life. Unfortunately, we had a fan call me out on that. I I can't remember the person's name. I don't even know if they're still with us, but uh, you were right. I was wrong. Kess without a doubt, uh, was my favorite character for the, through the first couple seasons while she was still a part of the ship. Yeah. I, I expected to like Cass more than you did considering I remember liking Cass when I first watched the show. Uh, but I, I found her even more endearing, uh, upon rewatch and season three was very much kind of the peak. I think of Voyager overall for us so far, I had a large portion to do with Kess. Kess had really come along as a character. She was well utilized there. She had a, a couple episodes that were dedicated to her specifically that we really enjoyed and uh, warlord. And um, the one where she travels back through time, I forget the name of it. And um, yeah, go ahead. I was driving to work and I was listening to uh, Delta flyers and th- 
Warlord is the next episode to come up and they mentioned Warlord. I got like so fucking excited. I was like, oh my God, I love that episode. That was such a good cast episode. And it was such a stark memory to have brought up in light of, you know, what we just watched here, uh, which I was very curious slash excited to to go into Fury. And I got to tell you, man, I I don't know. I don't I don't know how I feel. Let me summarize my feelings. There is a lot uh, this uh, written basically by the whole squad, right? This was a team effort. Brian Fuller, Michael Taylor, Teleplay, Berman, Braga, Story. So all of the senior creatives at at the time of the show were involved in putting this together. There is a lot I want to admire about the episode. I think the concept of the episode of a version of Kess that you know, where the awakening to our powers has not gone well, uh, comes back and, and there's consequences in this kind of time travel. And they do a lot of good things, with continuity to really like date the, the, where the, most of the show takes place during season one. Uh, they, there's good visual effects. They fight the Vidians, uh, bring back the Vidians itself. Also cool. Um, they're they're ever the performance by jennifer lean herself fantastic but then you get to the last act and it's so fucking bad i'm just like please flush this episode down a toilet like the the last 15 minutes of this are unfathomably underdeveloped and shitty and i don't know how it is that something that started off really strong and really kept me engaged wound up with this this bizarre sort of petering out once you're you're making the turn in the story and Janeway starts her confrontation with uh with with Cass uh that's supposed to really start to to put the the pieces of the episode together. That part is dog shit and I don't understand why. Huge disservice to to a lot of things. Um I it's hard for me to even think about this episode and try to deconstruct it in my brain because at the end of the day, I still don't understand why was Jennifer lean released from the show in the first place? Like that is such a, a pink elephant in the room and it casts a shadow over the entire event. What, what did she do to get removed? Why did the production team really want her out? Like, there has to be more than just we want to bring in uh super space Barbie doll seven of nine. Um, what would have taken to bring someone back who was released possibly under scandalous uh, pretense back into the show where you're basically vilified and dragged through the mud? Like, yeah, what did so Kes so- do to deserve her one episode back after she leaves in a really triumphant moment a transcendent moment like let's roll the clock back right before we even get into the episode when was the last time we saw Cass? we saw a guest in the gift what happened in the gift she goes full super saiyan with her psychic powers she literally can no longer physically stay on the ship like her presence is warping space time in such a way that she has to go out on, on a shuttle and like ascend into another state of being. And as a last gift to the crew, she boots them out of Borg space, and sends them like 10,000 years closer to home. 
for all intents and purposes, I don't think anybody would be wrong to watch the end of that and say, okay, well, Kess is a Q now. Yeah, Kess has ascended to some kind of at least demi-Q status. And as a consequence, this is this is the end of her story is she's, you know, Okabans have, you know, this this capacity for psychic potential. Hers has been unlocked. She's we've seen her explore it. We've seen the consequences of her exploring it. And this is how they write her off. She is just gone for good and in a traveler like state, you know, to quote a magic card, the star that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And she has burned so very very bright it was a great send-off um, yeah if you're going to get rid of her character that was the good way to do it and it was also extremely final you know it, it's it's just short of killing the character right like it was very final yeah and it was uh brian fuller who came up with that who coincidentally is a part of the writing team on this one um so I, there's there's parts of the story that are just titanium rock solid there's like a great ladder skeletal system to climb up here but then there's just these rotten holes in it that just funk the whole thing up. i really i really and we'll get there i really feel like this episode very well could have turned into something much better if the third act had just not taken a greasy shit you know, like the idea of cat, like things didn't go well after that point and that we could get that detail as to what happened and like the unintended consequences of their choices. All of that. There's there's meat there. I get I get where you're going. Like, but the whole point is that you have to pay that off by explaining what happened, making it makes Cass's actions make sense in those that context then coming to a resolution. And they just fuck every piece of that up. The big disservice here to the character of Kess and the show as a whole is that we waste our first opening moments in this ridiculous happy birthday two box surprise <laughs> where Janeway makes the series. Janeway is nastier to Tuvok on his birthday than she was when he betrayed the crew and gave Skeevians, uh, you know, did the Skeevian dirty deal where he got the warp space folding thing right yeah and she goes hey yeah surprises it's your birthday here's what's very clearly a piece of plastic with spray paint on it and a fucking candle <laughs> by the way the replicator can make fire apparently if you were wondering um throw this whole scene in the fucking trash what we needed here was something to allow us to empathize with Kess, where we get back out that that Demi-Q Kess we were left with at the end of the gift who has gone into another dimension or whatever and she is now being forced beyond her limits. I need us to go back into the Paramount movie vault, get that stock footage from Event Horizon and show me that Kess has actually crossed over into hell and she has spent the past four years tearing her own highballs out and beholding the worst sights uh possible in the in in the universe right yeah the teaser all of the unused space in this episode needed to be used towards putting kess's uh you know past four years in context and it just was not like instead we're wasting time with a birthday joke right like here's gonna be my my running thought on this is that kess 
was one of the best Star Trek characters I think we've ever had as a regular in a series, right? Um, she had very admirable qualities the entire time. I felt she had enough little flaws along the way to keep her from being that Mary Sue. Jennifer Lean killed it with her performance and everything always seemed earnest and engaging and you never felt bad rooting for Kess. She was the best product I think that any starship could have produced uh, to, to go out in the wild and ascend into stuff. So seeing her come back as such a rotten piece of shit, like I need, I need to bridge that yeah. gap from where we saw her. To I'm not, I'm not against her being a rotten piece of shit. I just need to know why, right? Tell yeah. me the story. And it needs to be serious. Yeah. It needs to be fucking bad because, and, and looking at, we were joking about this in, in text messages earlier today, uh, my candidate for this episode <laughs> title is all blondes turn out rotten. <laughs> Seeing this kind of almost like makes what they did to seven of nine and Picard a little less bad because whatever the Janeway school for wayworld children does to these, these girls before releasing them out in the wild is is not good because seven of nine turns into a fucking uh, murderous space punisher that just kills everybody and takes all the ideals of the Federation and Janeway's teaching and humanity and all that and just throws it on the ground and, and shoots it gun to Kimbo. And I was like, wow, that's really crap. You've got such a strong, good character and to know where she's going to end up as a this piece of shit murderer. But now I see like they already laid the DNA for that with this like. Kess, the best of the best, one of my favorite, the 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 character everybody feels can easily feel good about rooting for, uh, just came back and fucking murdered Bolana Torres with like a warp core fireball. <laughs> and Sack, if there's any the the dirtiest thing I think you could do to anybody in the Voyager universe is throw them to the fucking Vidians and by God, that's what she does yeah, here. Like they're, they're, she spares no expense in doing every possible maximum villainous thing. Like, and that's, what's so frustrating is that they're, they, they do a good job of really painting her terribly, right? Like she comes in, she's blowing the ship up. She kills Bolana. She transfers self, tra transports herself back in time so she can feed the ship to the Vidians, explicitly wanting all of their organs harvested and for them to suffer and die. Okay, you have established villainy. Please tell us why. Yeah, yeah. And that is where Make the show absolutely falls apart. All right, well, let's let's get through kind of to that. So spot. gumdrop cake. Oh, Tuvok, I know it's your birthday. Blow out the candle. Captain Caveman well, ship. was a fire hydrant. Yeah. Captain Caveman's ship shows up. It's a literal reuse of the time ship from uh, Future's End. And uh, it's, they're like, there's no compen on board? Wait a second. We know one of those. And on screen. Hard stop. <laughs> Kess, the last time we saw her turned into a Q. Why does God... Need a starship, right? What the? Why is she in Captain Caveman's ship? There is again no explanation of this. She left it a Type Two shuttle. It's not even the same shuttle she had before. That shuttle blew up. It was the Cochrane, I believe. And she says, "Hey, Captain Janeway, I need your help. Can I come aboard?" And she's like, "Yeah, of course. Hey, 
what's up? Kind of weird that you're a person again, but that's cool. By the way, why do you look like Max mom from sunny in Philadelphia now? <laughs> and she responds by crashing the sh- her shuttle into the ship, transporting herself aboard. And then she's got like this carry moment again, visual effects in this episode are baller, right? I thought her walking down the hallway as the hallway is exploding behind her. Like you see the, the bulkheads buckle in a way that you never see on Star Trek. I thought that was neat. Okay. Maybe it was the fact that her reaction on her face looks completely out of place for what she, Yeah, I was focusing on what was actually happening in the background. That effect is cool. And then they have another like, you know, exterior warping shot when they're finding the Vidians and they're like literally tearing the hull away to get away from them. That's pretty it's, good. Too, the visual yeah. effects were, I think good in this one. Um, and so she's like, car- she's a- doing the carry thing, walking through the halls and shit's blown up. And not to be confused with Joe Carey, the <laughs> engineer who we are reunited with in this episode out of fucking nowhere. Joe Carey, who only gets paid when there is an episode that takes place in the past. <laughs> like legit. Last time we saw him was uh, in the past uh, flashbacks. Worst case scenario. No, it was the past flashbacks during the time cop episode. Because they went back in time. uh, Seven went back in time to when uh, Voyager was at Utopia Planitia and he kept Mm. hitting on her. (laughs) And we're like, Joe, Joe, carry you dog. Aren't you married? Yeah. um, (laughs) We had the whole. It's the future. He's in a polycube. It's cool. Um, Oh, Uh, and and as she is going to to it, just really maximize the villainy of this moment when she is. And the power. Oh, yeah. I mean, the inc- extreme power level to demonstrate exactly that nothing can stop her when she is confronted by security. It is not the buster security guards that got overpowered by Ferengi. Oh, no. It is not Tuvok, who is consistently outwitted by Seska, at, you know, left, right, and center. No, no. They send smoldering catcher guy himself, Lieutenant Ayala, who gets a with line. With a compression. With a, with a compression rifle, and he gets to talk. <laughs> like, it is. it is... All of it, all of, I mean, maximum Lieutenant Ayala powers manifest. And she, he just, she just he gets bustered. He just gets thrown. Across. They may as well have sent Luke Skywalker <laughs> out of that turbo lift, <laughs> cutting down dark troopers as he strolled down the corridor uh, and had Luke Skywalker get mind bopped through the wall. Like that's, that's what it takes her power transcended the barrier of in-character episode and violated Ayala's actor contract saying, I can never lose a fight. (laughs) I mean, I will say though that it does a great way of establishing power level. Like that even the power of smoldering catcher guy is insignificant compared to the power cast now wields. Here is a snag and maybe it's a censorship thing. Or whatever, but like I found a running inconsistency in a big, I don't know if you want to call it a plot hole, but something that leaves me scratching my head over and over again. Um, Kess is so fucking powerful and she clearly has no use for anybody on the ship. She's here just to get to the warp core to time travel back. Right. She could be popping everybody's heads off like daisies and like finally when she gets into engineering she mind bops um Balan and a couple people Se- to the side nine. 
and seven and nine, like she's not just splattering them against the wall. And for someone who doesn't care, like these people don't exist to her right now. Her business is in the past. Like the amount of mercy she shows at this stage seems silly. And even when she gets back in time, like she'll have this whole Rube Goldberg uh, plot, this villainous plot she's going to follow when she could just as simply just grease everybody with a casual wave of her hand and again and be done with if it. we could get detail about what the fuck was going on there could be an explanation for all of that but because we just never get one we're left to speculate and that's just the core you know support pillar of this episode just is never exists she's walking down the hallway literally ripping the walls apart and into the vacuum of space but yeah like she comes up against some meat bags and she just stuns him but she she goes to engineering as we mentioned she kills Bolana in in the course of her deciding to travel back in time as we'll discover she travels all the way back to 2371 which was season one it is specifically 56 days and 17 hours after voyager has entered the delta quadrant um she changes her appearance to be young kess once she is there with her her psychic powers complete with season one haircut and elf ears yes which you'll remember that uh kes does go through a hair change that hides her ears and gets jennifer off the hook on having to have prosthetics on there um kes loves time travel yeah she engages in this it is, at least four times <laughs> i would not say this is the strongest entry into her time travel catalog god what was the one where she's going up and down her lifetime yeah it's the best, like the best Kess episode. I forget the name of it. I mean, I remember every detail. I think Warlord's the best Kess. No, episode, no. But... Any episode where we get to make fun of Harry Kim literally having sex with a two-year-old. No, when <laughs> blood is spurting out of people's face holes and Kess is a sexy vampire cat, that's that's the best Kess episode. Okay, fair. We, you can't even remember the fucking episode name. For <laughs> but the, I can remember Warlord. Harry bangs. A, yeah, it's a. It's a it's a powerful it it stays with you. Um so yeah, this this is uh this is old hat to her. Like, you know, this this is well within her repertoire. I'm on board. Um her presentation of Cass, I don't I don't know where to go with it. Like it felt very different. I don't know if it's because she was intentionally portraying the character as seriously off. If she forgot how to play the character, if she, there's a lot of resentment for being back on the set and her heart wasn't in the game. If she was starting to fall to some mental ill, I, I, I don't know. Were you picking up on the offness? Well, I mean, I assumed that her being different is a consequence of the fact that the cast we see almost entirely on screen is the damaged one, you know, like that has gone through whatever problems she has gone through. So she's it's just that we don't have context, right? Like I actually liked her performance. She's trying to emulate being the person that she was, but she's not doing it quite correctly because she's has negative ulterior motives that comes through. I think especially clear with her Neelix. Yes. And that's beautifully played out. Like, like especially the scene that they have in the mess hall, like when she's getting the coffee, you know, lot very subtle facial stuff there where she's obviously having like some of let's we'll get let's let's get our way to that scene actually so she goes back in time 
we establish through her checking the computer that she has gone to a very specific point in time early in Voyager's history. Uh, she goes to the uh, uh, sick bay first. The doctor is season. Everyone does a good job of being the season one version of themselves. The doctor is the season one doctor, no mobile emitter, merging personality, still kind of a giant dickhead. Uh, everyone's got their season one hair, right? Bolana's got the straight hair. You know, uh, uh, Janeway's the, got the God, bun. Janeway's got the bun. Um, Except for Paris. And I think it's because uh, Robert Duncan McNeil's hair was starting to thin at this right. point. So season one Paris was Not, impossible. Couldn't, couldn't pull it together. <laughs> uh, everyone is trying to act like the season one version of themselves. So like Chakotay and Bolana are a little bit more in the Maquis we did it this way. Kind of have a bit of an edge to them. Um, you know, Tom is just like, Hey, this is really cool. I'm not, I'm not in prison right now. This is neat. I like it. Um, you, they, Janeway doesn't treat the doctor like a person at all. <laughs> like, Oh no, I've got that in my notes. Like when she turns his ass off. Oh yeah. Yeah. So every, everyone does a, the, the continuity elements in this are, are actually extraordinarily well done. And uh, she goes to sick bay, gets a hypo spray, and then goes with some night night juice to the aeroponics bay and finds the current version of herself and uh, literally like sticks her with some drugs and, and puts her in her drawer. I. I would have liked to see young Kess interacting with other people just to reinforce the point that uh, Jennifer Lean knew the right way to do it and, and that all these. Uh, the performance of bitter old Kess was fully intentional and and it, that there wasn't like out of character resentment guiding what felt like a very jilted performance. I think you got enough of that sense because you do get like she's, there's the scene where she's in sick bay and they're explaining it to her and then she shoots the, you know, hologram of herself mm-hmm. where she's like trying to talk sense to herself. She did good. I mean, uh, I agree. Yeah. I think. This episode almost deserved to be do a two-parter and to have all of the like 30 minutes of background on all of the shit that happened to her and then context for this whole plan. Like I, I'm going to get to how one 100 percent. Why that didn't even cross my mind. Season sucks has some of the most rancid dog shit possible. I'm mean, just the fucking worst of the worst. Get, this could have been a, a six part <laughs> Come make it a, 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 what, when did it finally get good? Uh, make it a 20 parter. All right. Good shepherd child's what was child's play. That was all right. Ash. Yeah. Make it a, make it a 17 parter. That would that get through the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Like at Pathfinder being the only exception kind of in there. So much meat on the bone. Cool shit that could have gone on here. Uh, I'll be honest, the presentation of Honest Kest we saw at the end, I almost didn't even fucking watch because I was like, I felt like I'd run into a wall and I'm scratching my head saying, like, is this seriously the way they're ending this fucking episode? So maybe I'll have to rewatch and see how she presents herself as young, earnest, fun Kess. But um, I, I, I'm going to indulge myself with some rewrites once we get actually to the end of ways you could have fixed this, but. We'll, we'll wait on that. Um, we 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 see her knock out the young version of herself and find a drawer that fits her perfectly. <laughs> yeah, just like body stowage 
unit happened to mm-hmm. be right there. She ends up going to the mess hall, and that's where she has her first interactions with Neelix. Probably the best scene in the episode as far as like the nuance of what's going on. Very rewarding to the long term fan. You get to see a Neelix very much still in love with Cass, uh, trying to cater to her. Someone who is old and and crusty and nasty and on a murderous rampage to send everybody to the fucking glue factory. And still Neelix is able to make her smile and like coax that old Kess out in, in a very uh, powerful moment, I felt like. Uh, her bitter turn of just like, just give me the coffee where she snaps back to it and leaves. And very, very uh, well done because it's all we know as the viewer, some shit is up and we don't have any context as to what is up. And you see kind of him working her, his charm and it kind of like having an impact on her. And then as you said, she kind of snaps back and it, it tells you a lot without having to lay it out in detail of what's happening in, in her mind. Um, and, and, and that's why the scene works so well. I want you to stop because <laughs> you only get two couples really through all of Voyager. The little bit of Neelix dealing with murder Kess still has a better emotional connection than like 99% of the fucking Tom Bellana stuff out there. Yeah, absent her death scene in uh, Course of Bolivian. As we have discussed. Yes. Hey, fuck you, Patsy. <laughs> they have never managed to to have good scenes together. But yet here we are. And in this kind of boiled leftover of an episode, <laughs> tasteless crap that happens at the end. Still the best part. The the the, the scam that Cass is working is that she go uses the coffee to get into Janeway's office, which real quick. There's a lot of teal in that office. Did did that stand out at all? Like, I, I don't know if that's a season one thing. Maybe, Maybe it's it still the case. You're right. It, it did feel like it. If the, the the room felt different in the past, which I I kind of felt it was different, but I couldn't piece together how. Maybe There's maybe so they dressed it to look like season one. I don't remember. I felt like I was looking at some retro 50s diner by the amount of teal on the table and everywhere else. So uh, you know, there's been changes to the ship. Maybe they've been more subtle than I gave credit. She gets there. Uh, Janeway and Tuvok get called away. She spills the coffee in air quotes so that she can remain after they leave. And then after they leave, uh, accesses the computer. And as we will find out, it's the conversation that, that, uh, Janeway and, and, Chakotay were having previous was uh, they're attempting to evade the Vidians um, who I think we have established and through our conversations is when they showed up for the last time they finally did a really really good job of portraying the Vidians as probably the worst villains in Trek like finally here in their full potential the Vidians are a bunch of organ harvesting murder murder hobos they are monsters incarnate and so having them come back with that kind of mode engaged was very nice actually this is this is the last time we'll see the vidians in the whole show um so it, it i think it served as a send-off in the, in the right frame of like this is this is why these guys are a threat 
Joe Carey's not alone and as a uh, a double take background actor. We also have uh, Samantha Wildman. Yes. Finally returned to screen in a semi important capacity. Uh, Well, for two reasons. One, she's her pregnancy will confirm uh, Janeway's suspicions that Tuvok's not crazy. And two, she's the one who. Wouldn't you know, it's actually a pretty great bioweapons engineer. Yes, comes up with a neurotoxin to 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 use as night-night juice for the Vidians specifically. Um, and she is a science officer, so whatever. And light, light and space scientist comes up with bioweapon. I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. It's a very, they're two adjacent career paths, right? Uh, while uh, Ensign Wildman is, just, is laying this out for Janeway, though, Kess comes out of the office, and that is when Tuvok gets his first psychic backflow premonition, you know, like, I, I, which I really like, because we know Kess's psychic powers were developed with Tuvok's help. Not something to discuss in the episodes. That is a, a reward for, for people like us. And as a consequence, he has a connection to what's going on here. He he feels some shit is up because Cass is so powerful now. It's like he can feel his blood boiling in the back of his eyes through like ancestral memory. Like, ah. If it had been anybody else, I would say, hey, it's kind of silly that this um, telepathic security guy wouldn't bother mentioning, hey, this person feels off. They feel weird. Luckily, it's Tuvok who fucking sucks at his job. So this is right on brain. <laughs> and, and Tuvok then has a series of premonitions slash visions of Voyager's future from his perspective. That includes him thinking of the Delta Flyer, despite it not being invented for five years. So smooth. They they almost got me right as I got pissed. Like, what the fuck are they? T-? So they're like, hey, we're going into this briar patch of uh, subspace vacuoles. We've got the Vidians out lurking around. This is a real dangerous time. We can navigate this minefield, but we're going to have to drop out of warp speed like 48 times to re-vector our course because you cannot steer left or right in warp speed. So we'll have to warp, drop. Impulse the right direction, you know, course correct, warp, warp, and just zigzag our way through this. Maybe we send a shuttle out to map things. And that's when, yeah, Tuvok crosses out. Well, we'll send out the Delta Flyer. And I was up there like, what? And everybody around the room's like looking. I I feel like Bellana and um, Chakotay did a nice job of low-key hating the shit out of Tuvok still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that season one tension was still there. Because remember, you know, he he was like the spy who was there to get send them all to the space pokey. So uh, there's some real condescending looks coming out of Maquis people when he throws out this Delta Flyer thing. Everybody's like the the one he's like, oh, I must have been thinking of another ship. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. And then later on, this manifests into running into uh, Naomi Wildman in the uh, turbo lift, going to Cargo Bay 2, uh, seeing a bunch of. Uh, two of the the two Borg twins plus seven of nine in alcoves and then it fading away. And then Joe Carey standing there like I am no longer a chief engineer. Therefore, I am in this fucking cargo bay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm putting all these phaser rifles in these boxes, but <laughs> I just know that there's a, it's important. there's a blonde lady I hit on when I was at Utopia Planitia. She just loved her a phaser, a phaser rifle. 
Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like, why is Carrie just hanging out in a fucking cargo <laughs> bay? It's like, is he afraid of Bolana after she broke his nose? And he's like, I'm not going back. Gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to hang out in cargo I'm bay. I'm going to hang out in the fucking cargo bay. I'm going to smoke a cigarette at the door <laughs> lock. He smokes his weed. <laughs> <laughs> Makes his n- nose feel better. Oh, yeah, and the- all of that eventually, like, Tuvok comes clean to the captain and be like, yeah, this is weird. And I don't think I'm crazy. The captain's like, I don't think you're crazy either. And let's like scan around you for weird shit constantly. One of those moments where the ship's technology is absurdly more powerful than we've ever seen before. Like normally there has to be little silver boxes, spirit glued to people's foreheads to get readings off of them. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we can do full spectrum analysis 10 feet around you just by casually asking the computer. And and also at this time, Kess is goes to the shuttle bay and is like in a shuttle plotting a course to back to Ocampa. And that's when like Tom shows up and is like somewhat hitting on her and talking about teaching her how to fly a shuttle, which is something I believe. I don't know if it happened in season one and season two, season two, because it was part tuition. It was the episode that that uh, Frakes did where the the bro moment finally happened between Tom and, and Neelix is where yeah. she, he he was training her to use the shuttle. So it's like a yeah. nice like call forward to like when that'll actually happen. Yeah. And again, it's like, all right, well, here's. Here. Why does she have to plot a course back to fucking Okapa? Like she can so, just fucking bamf over there. Like, well, so again, we don't have context, right? Like this is where all of the stuff where when we get to the kind of like act three act four part of the story i'll go through kind of like how i would fix this but my let me stay at this junction i i can throw a lot of my complaints out of her actions and her reasoning if there was something to lead us to believe that her powers have been greatly diminished or that like going back through time caused her taxed her powers such that she no longer has access to the again why does god need a space why does someone who threw voyager 10 years in you know, deep into the journey need to fuck around with this. She goes off and she makes a, a secret phone call. Yeah, well, she, you know, she goes back to her quarters and the romantic dinner that Neelix promised her is waiting for her along with a message of like, Hey, give me a call if you want company. But I went ahead. You look, you're having a rough day. So I, I made you the dinner and left it here for you anyway. You know, love you. It's very sweet. And she just like, throws it all on the ground she's obviously pissed because like she doesn't want to be reminded of that right now and that is when she's like call calls collect to where she knows the vidians are hiding and is like i i had both fingers crossed joe because she's like all right make a phone call to these exact coordinates and i was like it's probably the vidians but oh man what if what a christmas present what if what if it's seska <laughs> Seska's still on the ship, though, as a crew member at this point. Is she? Yeah. No. Yeah, season middle of season one. She's gone at like season they four. The, they meet the Vidians in season four. four, and she's not gone till se- episode 10. No. They, they, they meet the Vidians episode so four, up, and she's not gone episode, uh, gone until episode 10. State of Was it State of Flux where she I think so. Out? Yeah. What episode is that, Peter? It's 11. Ha ha! Fucking hmm. got him. 
Well, you, you know bro. what? All the more reason, all the more reason that they could have had Martha Hackett ruin. They wouldn't even had to drop the budget to put her in Cardassian makeup. She could have just been there with her hair in a bun. Maybe even Kes could have been like, I know you're a nasty, dirty bitch. <laughs> Let's work together. I uh, You get Chakotay, but you need to cut off Janeway's they're head. They're saving me. Martha Hackett for another episode. Are they? Yes. I thought we were done with our Martha Hackett episodes. We're not. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I thought uh, worst case scenario was the last time we saw her. Mm -mm. Mm. Mm -mm. Well, whatever. She could have been in here, too. All right. I'm just saying there's no reason to be stingy with the Hackett. That's another fair. (laughs) That's that's my runner up uh, title. No reason to be stingy with the Hackett. I like it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a Vidians. And they look and nasty and they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, hey, do you want this fucking blood bag or not? Do you, do you want this rolling organ donation bank? As I believe Tom Paris literally calls Voyager <laughs> or not. And they're like, "Uh, OK, sure. All right. What? Why are you doing this? And they're like, she's like, I, they're not my crew. I don't. They, they abandoned me long ago is what she says, which again, so much missing from this. So um, we get more of Kess like checking up on her, her younger self. She's trying to like get her way into like the tactical database of Voyager to help the Vidians take the ship over. We get more of Tuvok seeing like visions <laughs> of shit that he can't explain. She tries to download this tactical database. And I know she's using her power to, like, bypass the system, but I would like to think that the fucking Federation security encryption protocols really are so bad that you can just kind of press your finger really hard into the monitor and, like, poke the answers out. It's like it's like you could beat an iPhone's fingerprint thing just by pressing harder. Uh, Do you remember what was? What was the one where uh, iPhones have better security than 24th century spaceships? Just putting it out there. Was it the Borg trio? What was that one called? Life Signs? What was the one where the Swamp Borg shared collective, the Cardassian or the Bajoran Borg was in there? Oh, yeah, that was from earlier this season. That was like episode three, right? I think it was Survival Instinct. Yeah, like when they go naughty, they just go in that alcove and and turn a valve and it turns the captain's encryptions off. So they got all the logs off of that. Like I love how bad security protocols are in this show. This is when they start to like do their going through the wild, the, the briar patch thing. And they're, they're stopping and starting. Cause I do like this faster than light. No left or right saying that is yeah. used. I thought that was pretty, pretty slick. And right. um, that's when uh, after this is, you know, Tuvok, as we mentioned, shares his information with Janeway, who's buying that, you know, he's not crazy. There's some fuckiness going on. And she it, that's when Janeway goes down to sick bay. And that's where Ensign Wildman and the doctor are. They talk about the biogenic weapon that Wildman developed. And then as she goes to, like, conveniently work on another console, uh, the, the Janeway's like, hey, doctor, um, you're going to tell me if she's pregnant right now. <laughs> like, And he's like... Doctor patient privilege. I can't share that. Like, shut the fuck up. Tell me, tell me, toaster. Give me the, give me the info. And he's like, yeah, actually, she is. She was going to tell you herself. 
And then they like close the plot hole of the fact that the episode where she reveals herself as pregnant was delayed by saying, and her pregnancy is going to last extra long because it's uh, half Katarin. <laughs> like just threw that line in there so they can fix hey. their mis- five-year-old mistake. Hey, two thumbs up. That's all I need. That's yeah. how easy it is to make mm-hmm. Star Trek good. That's all Petty Peter needs is you throw <laughs> one bullshit line out there and I go, yeah, sure. It's, if it's, I can watch a show where they're flying around in spaceships, magically transporting people through the air, I'm willing to buy a lot of shit. Just, yeah. just, just a little. I'm sprinkle. right there with you, brother. I doesn't have to be a big bone. It could be a tiny, just a dabble, do tiny you? Tiny little bone, little bone, little just nibble, a dabble, little do nibs. You? Come on, so you can do it. And that that seals the deal for her. She's like some fucky shit's definitely happening because Tuvok apparently has met her, his future daughter or her future daughter, which is OK. We're we're into some weird Starfleet shit right now. Let's keep our fucking eyes open. So Tuvok's up on the bridge. Chakotay's sitting in the captain's chair uh, and they're entering the 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 dicey waters here. Right. Tuvok says, hey. Uh, I got a ship on sensors that's about to ram us. And everybody else is like, no, you don't. And that's kind of like the last straw for Tuvok. He's like, I'm not well. I want to be relieved of duty. Can you let me go? And uh, he heads down to sick bay himself. He actually goes. The, the problem is he goes to engineering first because right. he asked he has to see the premonition of what exactly happened of right, yeah. Kess uh, killing Bolana and traveling back through time. And then winds up in sick bay, and that is when uh, Kess decides to overload his brain as Kess's want to. This time with I, the power of science rather than the power what, of psychics. They put they put the microwave pad on his temple, and, and the doctor like, uses it right up. Set it to two, and then she's like, "Actually, I'm going to put this up to 11. And in a second time, which is now canonically the technically the first time she microwaves Tuvok's brain again and still doesn't kill him that man's brain is teflon is rubber (laughs) it's something it's resilient he might not be too good at locking the door but boy if his brain doesn't have uh at least the first four levels of fortitude i'm I'm just saying though like not flat out ages no 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 resilience he's testing down that aggravated uh he um he you know if he was playing the nfl though checking for tbi you know like mm, he might have a rough time wasn't that what simple tuvok was like (laughs) simple jack tuvok yes he he took too many uh concussions and became like nice tuvok so So she nukes him yeah she nukes him he like goes doesn't kill him but nukes her brain to keep him out of the equation. But Janeway uses her secret scanning that she was doing to see that at the time Tuvok uh, was brought to sick bay, there happened to be a bunch of tachyon shit that happened, which is tachyons, womp womp. Which is I wish we had like tachyon sound effect. Explicitly a time travel thing as a consequence. So she has cracked the code. She knows time is being fucked with for sure. And she actually asked Kess, like, hey, Kess, you're a psychic. Has anything weird happened to you? And she's like, she said, no. Not at all. I'm not suspicious. I'm not suspicious at all. And she's like, okay, that's cool. And then and then leaves without really suspecting her specifically. The Deans show up. They start to fight. They have an immediate advantage because for some reason they have Voyager's shield, you know, uh, uh, modulation. 
they know where Voyager's at. Yeah, like they've got their cl- they've clocked him. They like stick their their little tubules into it, and that's where like the good exterior effects start to happen. And they are coming to harvest dem organs. And the environmental controls aren't working, and they start to narrow down what's happening. And they find out that it's all occurring in the hydroponics bay. And Harry Kim's like, uh, this is weird. I'm reading two O'Compens down there. Both registers cast in a very rare show of force. Uh, Voyager's security actually does a pretty decent job at uh, repelling the invaders in the hallway. We get a couple good gunfights. Um, yeah, like, quite frankly, this plan should have probably at a minimum killed some of these because we know the Vidians shoot to kill like their their beam weapon kills you and allows them to like harvest your organs later. Right. Like some gold shirt got winged and is probably dead as a consequence of this. And time has changed. I guess we're supposed to accept that that didn't happen and that 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 the timeline is largely preserved after this because mm. events played out closely enough that, you know, we have the ending we have. But that that's a stretch. That's that's quite the stretch to say the Vidians were successfully repelled with no casualties. I the last time they stormed the ship, they literally murdered everyone and we got to watch. <laughs> we would have to assume. I mean, all of this happens and has to stay happened. Right. They mm-hmm. never rescind all the stuff. So this is just story we didn't know had happened. But. But but it happened. I fully expected Joe Carey to die in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and become an explanation as to why, why, why we never... he never shows up again. Why I he's only that... in season one continuity episodes. I do think at some point you said, like, they do bring him back mm-hmm. just to kill him. And, and I, I figured it was this one. Don't worry. Uh, You'll know if when they bring Joe Carey back for the last time. It's they might as well be having bone thugs playing in the background as he enters <laughs> the screen. You're like, I know why you're here. You're here to give this episode stakes. <laughs> like mm. it is the most obvious setup for someone to die. I don't I don't believe that. Okay, because right oh, now I'm thinking about basics when Neelix told <laughs> Hogan, Hogan to stand. Right here. It's hard to beat Hogan. Please stand where all the bones are. Clearly, when, this is safe. When Neelix says, hey, look at these bones, picks them up and says, we can use these bones and then throws them back on the ground. So Hogan has to waste time picking them back up and gets eaten. While he looks so nervous, he's like, this is not a safe place. This fucking space rat's going to get me killed. And then and it he does. immediately happens. <laughs> like, and then later i got hogan killed like yeah you did it's literally just your fault you literally told him stand here it's... where x marks the spots and the fucking piano can come out of the sky and crush you it's your fault hogan's dead it's chakotay and janeway's fault the fucking kazon have our shift and left us on this planet a land of the lost so but nobody says i'm sorry anyway <laughs> Janeway has to uh, work her way down to the hydroponics bay while her security teams are busting out the compression rifles, you know, trying to fight the Vidians. And this is where the episode truly falls apart because we've we've had a lot happen. And it's like if they can pull this together at the end and explain why the fuck this is happening, this episode is not bad. Right. Like or take everything that we've seen up to this point. Without knowing what happens after this point. This episode's pretty good. Yes. It really is. You 
you you can do two things here. You can give us background and explain why Kess is the way she is, or play something out so it's not such a goofy slapdash. Oops, I forgot to write the ending. Let's just slap something together. Um, Janeway gets down to hydroponics. She finds Kess dragging a stunt double with a Kess wig on. She says, okay, uh, one of you doesn't belong here. And I'm guessing it's it's you, evil Kess. And I've got my type two phaser. And then Kess is like, yeah, but Jedi powers. And she starts mind bopping her. And this this is. Kess is so close to achieving victory here. She could have splattered Janeway against the wall. She doesn't. And that's just what throws this entire scene in the trash. Yeah, she purposely just like throws her against the wall and gives Janeway every opportunity to fight back. Literally, it lets her turn to phaser to kill and then says it's set to kill. Like, just doesn't actually try and kill her, right? Like, there's just this sucks all the dramatic tension out of the scene because it's an explicitly, like, weirdly sloppy moment. There isn't any, like, narrative reason that we'd understand why Cass would hesitate, right? Like, that could explain it. Give me a moment where Cass realizes what she's doing is wrong and there's a self-annihilation impulse and she wants Janeway to punish her and she wants Janeway to kill her and forces Janeway's hand. It's perfect. That that would work there too. That would explain this moment. I don't think it's enough to explain the episode, but it would explain why she doesn't kill her. But in the end, she's like, "Rar, I'm going to kill you finally." And Janeway gets her with the gat set to kill and kills evil cast. Actually kills her. Meanwhile, Chakotay is like, "Fuck these guys. We're getting the fuck out of here." And and uh, Ensign Kim is like. Uh, sir, if we do that, you're going to tear pieces off the hull that they have their little, like, you know, grappler hooks on. And she's like, well, fucking tear them off then. <laughs> Let's get the fuck. <laughs> My people, the New Jersey rubber people, we had a method for shaking off police boots when we would park <laughs> illegally. I shall teach you the ways of my people. It's also a maquis trick because that's what we like to say is everything is maquis trick. Um, it's like, uh, guys, we don't want to, like, lose our fucking livers. Let's go. <laughs> I saw when they took the rat's lung. I'm not laying in holodeck with holographic lungs. Let's get the fuck out of here. So they GTFO eventually after some rad mo- and, and and throw some torpedoes out there for good measure. And when they start to try and wrap up what happened, they go to. Si- what do they do with second cast? So that's the uh, second weird thing. OK, so they have this cast gets murdered by Janeway. They go to by Janeway. They go to sick bay and like young Kess is there and she's like explaining what she experienced and she starts to like explain what happened. And the doctor's like, what? And Janeway's like, yeah, turn the f- doctor off. Turn the toaster off. Turn the toaster off. And if what they set up is that they keep it a fucking secret that only Janeway, Tuvok and Kess end up knowing what happened. Why? There is no explanation as to why this person's so dangerous. She tried to hand you to there's only there's only one fate worse than dying by the Vidian's hands. And it's that fucking crazy space demon that harvests your soul and lives on you eternally forever while you suffer. Remember that guy, right? Oh, yeah. Hell is real guy. Hell is real guy. (laughs) Um. Why would you keep this a secret? You, there was no like 
temporal directive, what like if this was a big deal, Captain Caveman would have came back and fucking fixed this shit. This is ridiculous that it's a conspiracy. Uh, when this finally like rears back up, I love how Chakotay is like, "What the fuck's going on?" Like clearly seeing that Janeway and Ch- uh, Tuvok know, and he's being left out of the loop. Yeah, there isn't. Wh- an ex- what do they do with? There's an explanation. Like, okay, so at what ends up happening at the end is they have they they glide past uh, old Kess to the spot where she was going to go back through time. They play a holographic message from young Kess to try and talk her out of it. It magically works. She's like she evacuates all the areas that would have been casualties and right. like death. Colton Smoldering Catcher Guy doesn't end up actually getting that L and uh, Kess is cured of her being cranky by her message. And eventually she gets some Leona roots and is, you know, gives it gets a packed lunch and is sent back to Ocampa. Right. Like, all right, get in your ship and leave. And what are we going to tell everybody? Oh, we had a friend. I'm sure it's like, like ending makes no sense let me re- let me try and fix this right like i'm not gonna dwell on the ending because it just makes no sense it's just slapdash and stupid and awful right like it's so sloppy it, it, it the scene in the in, in the engineering doesn't make any sense at all there's hollow emitters in engineering all of a sudden apparently right whatever to play this fucking trick message that and then and then Kess is just like, oh, that's right. I remember I, I'm not a bad person. I had almost forgotten. Ha ha ha. What? Dumb. Dumb. So unfulfilling. Dumb. And rushed. And dumb. Uh, let's start laying these rewrites because oh, I've yeah. got yeah. a slew of them myself. Oh, re- re- real quick, though. This conspiracy that goes on for the next four years. What do they do with Kess's body? Yeah, they never explain that. I'm asking because there's two good lungs in that body, right? No, it's only one. And it's the past. It's future. Castle. Well, listen, somebody gets a, a fucking lung out of this deal. I would think like you can't just throw a good lung away. So here's here's where I would start my rewrite just for the this is my com- low complexity rewrite, right? There's a high complexity rewrite where this is a two episode arc where we get a ton of backstory and you could probably go on for another hour talking about a way to like do this story and just build a whole shell around it to, to, to help it out. Let's say that's not on the table. You've got to fix it in this. And we're going to have this one episode. Kess comes back. We have a core of the story of her traveling through time. That remains the same. What do we do different? The opening about the birthday cake is definitely out. And instead we start with her, fleeing something right like we need some context to why it is that she feels she needs to do this and it has to give us some kind of context as to why she's a person again i think that that could easily be that she's forced herself back into this form because she is you know she attempted to explore these powers and her expanded consciousness she came into contact with something that was shared or not prepared to deal with. And so she is trying to hide from it. And she's like, I, I, the only way I can fix this is to prevent myself from ever antagonizing this force to begin with. Like there has to be higher stakes than just her. And people's lives are at risk. If I stay the way I am, people are weaponizing me. And, and like you're saying, I've become so big that, I cannot all fit back in this human container. And as a result, 
important pieces of me are missing. And I've got Swiss cheese brain from from transitioning back into this corporal state. I wasn't even giving her a Swiss cheese brain. I was going to say that she has a, a like her mission is I have to do this because the consequences of me like being in this state means that more bad things are going to happen. And I need to make sure this never happens. So I have to go back in time and I have to prevent myself from ever doing this. And so she gets. That's awesome. Yeah. I, what, what, Joe Manowski, Michael Taylor, Rick Berman, Bram Brad. Why? Why is Joe Schuster able to. <laughs> do you have Bellana Taurus tied up in a fucking car accident <laughs> where you're cutting her to get these these. Incredible heavenly stories. ideas yes. yeah <laughs> so you 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 have her go Here, back let me be a fat emperor i'm gonna toss you a gold trinket from my girlfriend's neck that was a wonderful story joe well, continue you have one week <laughs> thank you so uh we see much the same situation plays out where she is just desperate uh to go back in time but instead of her sort of callously killing people and callously shoving people aside it's that she can't contain the power right like that she is imperfectly fitting within this 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 form she kills Bolana not on purpose but on accident as part of her trying to go back in time the process of her going back in time reduces her power enough now that's not so much an issue you can have a lion dialogue that sort of satisfies that you, you can create a structure where she you know like maybe she's talking to herself more that her i her she's kind of got like an almost multiple personalities thing going kind of like a golem schmeagle type of situation that she's dealing with so that you can convey this kind of information to the audience without maybe her having to talk to someone. Maybe she talks to the young version says, you need to leave. Here's yeah. what's going to happen. Or dialogue young with version, herself. Yes. Young version says, no, I can fight it. I'm better than that. I'm not going to cooperate. She says, okay, we're going to have to go with plan B where I knock you the fuck out and I have to do some sneaky shit to get you off the ship instead of, she does the thing with the Vidians, but it's purposefully set up that she wasn't getting everyone killed. She was just using them as, as a distraction. That's the only change you have to make there. Like you call the Vidians or, in, but you make or she, you, you you give them the tactical information, but not the information on the bioweapon. And so that's why that bioweapon thing's important because it never gets used, right? Like it's mm-hmm. never developed as an idea. It's just to bring Samantha Wildman into the, the picture. So instead if you're cast you're like okay i want to give them the tactical data they think they got it but they don't know about ensign wildman's bioweapon and that ends up saving the day it's a perfect distraction and we get away or plan s seska does some seska stuff oh sure and- if you want to if you want the five star treatment but i'm saying changing <laughs> changing the minimal amount of the episode right like sure still- yeah 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 so and then finally i did appreciate the vidians being in this by the way yeah very much so goopy as hell and (laughs) and old drippy you get to the final confrontation and that is where she's like trying to explain to janeway like no you don't understand i have to do this because what i like i i understand you don't get what you awakened me to was more than i could handle and because of that there are consequences for becoming a transcendent being you can structure the scene However, it is that a professional writer could figure out a way to convey this better. But the idea is she's trying to tell Janeway, no, you don't get it. Like, what I turn into is too much. I can't exist like this. I have to prevent this from happening for your sake and everyone else's. It's important that I do this. And she is just so into this mission. She is so convinced of this. She can't talk her way out of it. 
and they have the confrontation and she can't bring herself to kill Janeway. Right. Cause she still has a sense of self. Like she still cares about them. She was making me hate this episode, Joe. And, and what <laughs> happens is she gets killed because the Vidians bust in as part of the attack. And she defends Janeway from the Vidian attack and gets killed there. Okay, so the resolution is not that Janeway kills her, it's the Vidians do, and then Janeway's able to kill the Vidians, and they, the, the, the biotoxin works and they get away. So they're left with this unresolved issue of like, oh, so she came back in time, she's this concerned about what happened, what are we going to do when she turns back up, like, the next time, right? Like, we gotta, we gotta talk to her, we gotta reason with her, and instead of the resolution at the end, it's that the everyone works out a, a way to help her stabilize her form when she returns the second time. And the young version of her talks and they're like, these people care about you. These people love you and they're going to help you. You just let them help, trust them to let them help you. You don't have to do this yourself, which is the lesson she learned through. She was trying to do it herself. It all didn't work out. The younger version of herself convinces her to let Voyager do their thing and be a family to her one more time. They help stabilize her form and, and make it so that she, she, she's not a danger or threat in the way that she thought that she was. And she's able to leave on good terms. And by the way, you include everybody in this. It's not a secret. Everyone's involved. The entire cast is down there and they have this moment. Family. Yes. Family, family, family. Exactly. I'm going to put that in my first place. Rewrite slot. Uh, that's really good. I, I like everything you laid out on there. Keeping most of the episode the same as it is uh, and just fixing the dumb resolution we have at the end, uh, I would say option one is everything plays out exactly the way it does, only instead of sending her off with a fucking packed lunch and saying, all right, goodbye, which felt really shitty. Uh, There's some plot element where I'm going to die soon and I want to die with my people and they say, we are your people stay here, spend your last month on the ship. We never need to see any more of it, just like we didn't see the fucking Bajoran Borg lady die. And and that's the resolution is Kess comes home. It's rough, but, you know, the family reconciles. That's option one. Option two is you cut out a lot of that nonsense. And before Kess is able to kill Janeway, younger Kess has a Super Saiyan moment, kills evil old Kess, and resolves that she will never become that person and you don't have that patronizing ending. That's that's the quick and dirty fixes there. I think it could use a little bit uh, of space madness as the culprit that this is what's torn her apart. But uh, again, there's some really, really great story elements in this. Yeah. It's just it just feels like they did a great character, very dirty, and there's just some lazy yeah, it, sloppy shit. It going just on. is lazy as fuck at the end, and it it because they because everything else builds and creates all of this like fucking bizarre shit. They need to pay it off in a way to make it not seem exploitive and bad, and instead it's the exact opposite because it's so lazy and so shitty at the end. It just comes off of like, why the fuck did you just do this? Like, I'm gonna tell you what this is. This is a quintessential Ramrod episode. We want Kess to come back evil and let's just fucking ramrod it and make it happen with as little effort as possible and and do the thing and that is the the second most popular thing in voyager short of everything you know the the switch being flipped and everything going back to the way it was 
I hate when the writer room does this. I, I see it here. They had a cool idea and they said, just, just fucking make it happen. It doesn't need to make sense. Just make it happen. Oh, that's it for us on this one. Um, it made it frustrated me. Make me mad. It's really interesting to talk about like how we could have improved it uh, and the individual pieces of it that we liked, but this just didn't need to exist. And I wish it didn't because it's just like, what a fucking note to leave Cass on. Right. Like, I just wish it didn't exist. It's depressing. Yeah. It's very depressing. Uh, knowing what happens to Jennifer lean. Yeah. That this is I, it. If, like there's no coming back, you know, like Jennifer lean can't redeem this character, unfortunately, because of her personal circumstances. So this is, this is the streaming turd we're left with. And again, sucks. why do you think if Jerry Taylor was around, this episode could have been better. Have we ever laid any of Kess's victories at Jerry Taylor's feet? Funny you should bring that up. I mentioned at the top of the show, my favorite episode, my favorite season, rather, of the show was season three. Right? And season three, as we noted during Basics Part Two, was Jerry Taylor putting her stamp on the show because she was showrunner in season three. And in season three, we had Warlord... Season three, we had uh, before and after, which was the episode where she comes back and forth through time. Yes, yes. It is where we saw many of our uh, favorite episodes and also like least favorite, but most meme worthy episodes like False Prophets and that sort of thing. Mm. I know. Worst case scenario, Mike's got so much good content in season three. So, uh, yeah. Jerry Taylor, for all of the shit that we gave her and all the shit she got wrong oversaw the best cast content and probably the best season of the show. Is that why Kess feels so broken and off in this episode is because Jerry Taylor was not there to, to guide the character and that maybe fundamentally Berman and Braga didn't understand what Kess was at the core person. I don't think so because the whole conceit of the episode is that she's broken. Like that is the purpose. So it's just that they didn't pay it off. This episode could still work. Even if you, if, if, with the mild rewrites you suggest are the major ones I suggest, the bones of this episode would support itself if it just paid off sufficiently. And it didn't. And that's why it sucked. Again, I want to go back to the seven of nine fate like it's it sucks watching these characters who have graduated and seeing that once they get out in the real world like voyager school of gifted youngsters uh was not sufficient and they they turn into pieces of shit you know and in kess's case like unexplicably i i had they sent her to hell seventh dimension hell or whatever mm -hmm. And like overwhelmed her like that would be a great reason why she comes back so fucked up and and, and broken and can't remember who she really is. Um, but yeah, as is, it's just it's a very unfulfilling feeling. I don't regret them having made it. I think it was a, a great try. Uh, and, you know, again, it stays on brand for Voyager. It's. I don't know, was this squandered potential? It was just squandered resources. It was just a miss. It was good, but it was a miss. 
And on that note, sir, what are we watching next week? Coming up, we got season six, episode 24, Lifeline and IC7 to 9. The Pathfinder Project makes use of a pulsar and the Midas array, allowing Voyager to receive and reply to a data stream every 32 days. I smell. I smell Dwight. Uh, your sense of smell is accurate. In fact, uh, this episode, I hope I hope you like a lot of Robert Picardo, because not only I is love Robert Picardo. not only is Robert Picardo uh, the main actor, he's one of the writers of this episode. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Oh. oh, it's a this one's a ride, man. It's a good ride, though. This is this is I don't know, man. Watch. If there's one thing we've established, it's you know the the players cannot be their own dungeon masters. He, this book hard. It, it's um, not. He's not doing it by himself. So you know he. It, it's just the right amount of Picardo. I think this is the maximum daily allowance of Picardo before you OD. But it's still. It's <laughs> but it's still. It's still you know meets with your doctor's uh, approval. What is it? If you OD on Picardo, what do they have to inject you with to get you back on track? Neil? Joe Carey. <laughs> sitting, sitting in this cargo bay, smoking weed, cleaning, uh-huh. the, cleaning the assault rifles. <laughs> thinking about his sons, thinking about that hottie he saw back at Planitia. And thanks for listening to VG Please, a hateful voice of the Delta Quadrant. And we will see you next week. <laughs>